Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard, and we are so excited to talk to you all today. Um, as you know, a lot of months have some sort of awareness feature, right? Like there's some sort of cause or, and if you've listened to some of our episodes in the past, you know how much I love the day of the week or the day of the month kind of fun things to do curriculum around. But today we're going to look at it from a perspective of, A, this is a great thing uh, because you have an entire month to get in some uh, well, professional development for your for your staff. <laughs> Yep. So Carrie, talk to me a little bit about what we're going to talk about today and why this is something that you think not only every center should cover at least once a year, but what are some of the requirements that fall into that as well? Well, so it is Food Allergy Awareness Month. Uh, doesn't that just roll off the tongue? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so in Texas, it's required that everyone have training on food allergies and how to react to them and how to avoid them. And also, you know, other type of anaphylactic allergies. Um, and I presume that there's some similar stuff in other states. Uh, the peanut lobby, she is strong. She is strong. <laughs> <laughs> or I suppose I should say the peanut allergy lobby. Um, yeah. And, you know, I figure you and I are probably better situated to have this conversation with people than an awful lot of trainers. Uh, with you having a mom who was allergic to most legumes, all legumes? Well, primarily soybeans. Um, well, soybeans was the one that caused the problem. Let's put it that way. So, yes, yeah, she could not eat beans, and um, which includes peanut butter. So, you know, I am one of those people that when start, people start to ask, tell me that they have a nut allergy and they start with peanuts and they end with pecans, I start asking lots of questions because <laughs> those don't peanuts go together. And tree nuts are different. Yep, they're However, very different. Yeah, you can't always have that discussion with people because it's sometimes not worth the headache. Right. And then <laughs> but, I've got uh, a daughter who had a lot of allergies when she was a kid. Um, and then you're married to somebody who had a tree nut allergy. Well, and you have a couple of odd allergies <laughs> as far as to foods that sometimes have been known to sneak up on you. Yeah, I think only one of them is still active. Um, and it may not be. It's just I am so used to anytime I taste mustard, you know, I have this visceral reaction of, ah, I'm going to have an allergic reaction that um, I can't eat anything with mustard. Um, I, you know, I taste it and it makes me antsy. So yeah, you've got a husband and a mom. I've got my own self <laughs> and then my daughter. Um, so we've got a lot of food allergies and then you've got some intolerances. So, you know, we're just, you know, we think we're easy to feed, but other people might disagree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I want to start with some basics. So some, one of the first things to do when you start to think about food allergy awareness is, is being informed. So it sounds like this should be a no-brainer. However, make sure that on your employee um, in, incoming paperwork that you have something that asks people if they have any food allergies. You don't want to find out that somebody has an anaphylactic response to a food and or even bees or something like that. Um, 
you know, when you have to know, you kind of want to know in advance. Yes. So make sure that, you know, it is on your employee paperwork. Uh, make sure it's on your student paperwork. And in addition, make sure, that, especially if it's a food component, that there are pictures of that child next to the uh, the chart and yeah, what the for food the, items are. For the kids. Hopefully, you don't need to have a picture next to any staff member because hopefully your staff know each other. Um, but if you're having a lot of staff turnover, maybe you need to have a picture of your staff member. I don't know. Well, especially depending on what the issue, you know, what the condition is. Um, if you have an outside source that pre- prepares your food, that's, you know, something to keep in mind. If people bring in their own, make sure that you have a very clear food policy of what people can and cannot bring. Um, there, there are the preferences, like, you know, nobody really likes to see a kid show up with a Lunchable, a Snickers bar and a Coke. (laughs) Um, so if people are going to show up with a Lunchable and they have to have a package of carrots taped to the front, um, make sure that you, that the parents know that in advance. Um, uh, so, um, it's definitely worth also asking whenever possible, um, And understand the way that you ask it makes a big difference as far as being clear what happens um, if the child is exposed. So um, wheat, dairy. There's such a wide range of how people present. Um, I have no external signs when I get one of the things that I have been allergic to over my life. Um, I just... Um, either throw up or <laughs> my throat closes up. So, um, nobody outside of my body would be able to tell that I had had that exposure until I either vomited or passed out. Correct. And then there are people who end up, it presents as a headache. Um, or hives. Have food, yeah. Children who have food diet allergies might present more hyper. Um, some kids the parents will list it as a food allergy, but it may be really more of an intolerance. In other words, it's, you know, they have an adverse reaction to dairy. Yeah. It, it, it gives them, it constipates them or it gives them diarrhea or something like that. Um, you know, from a medical standpoint, that isn't necessarily an allergy that would be considered an intolerance. But so yeah, let's define those two terms and, you know, use that handy dandy medical knowledge to explain Uh, a little bit about that for people who don't have, you know, a handy dandy nursing degree. I mean, you know, it's pretty simple. An allergy is um, a a serious response. So something like anaphylactic. Um, In reality, hives, um, an upset tummy uh, isn't necessarily considered an allergy. Um, So it's something to keep in mind. It also depends. Some people respond differently to the same item different ways. Um, Maybe if it's cooked. It's fine, um, but if it's airborne or if it's a liquid or, um, for example, um, your daughter who was allergic to corn at one point in time, you know, corn is used in an awful lot of green cleaning products. Yep, we found out th- that out the hard way. Yes, and, you know, when you use cleaning products, it ends up in air ducts, which means that there could be locations and businesses that when attending or when going to, all of a sudden, people have headaches. And so, and that had to do with everything with the fact that that was an airborne condition. Uh, So, um, 
don't be afraid to ask the parents. Um, feel free to, uh, you know, ask them. And they don't have to tell you, okay? So, I mean, they can just say, it, you know, my child can't have it, um, which is fine. But it does help you as the director and as the people who are preparing meals to understand uh, the severity. So when you hear people who talk about gluten or other products, is that like a gluten-free kitchen or like they can't have a sandwich? Like, Yeah. And um, you say it's fine, but if you're on the food program in any state and you have kids who have uh, an altered diet, you have to have something in writing in your files for that child and in Texas now, every child who is not eating the prescribed menu, <laughs> you know, what you serve at your center, you have to have a dietitian's um, menu for that child or a doctor's uh, order. Well, a prescriber's so, order. So Steve could do it, but, you know, it has to right. be somebody with prescribing authority or a dietitian who is like, Okay, they're not going to have cow's milk. And so the substitute that we approve is goat's milk. So if that's what it is, then you have to have in Texas, you have to have that in their file and in the kitchen. Because in Texas, we everybody has to follow the USDA food guidelines um, for the child care food program whether you're on the food program or not. So in Texas, if they, the parent says, you know, they can't have wheat, it doesn't really matter whether it's a gluten intolerance, it's celiac, or they just are, you know, they don't like grains in their household. You're still going to have to have an order from a medical professional in the file. And um, so how does that work? So that's a great point of view. So I'm just going to go there a little bit. Um, because you brought up they just don't like to have a product in their house. So when we start talking about uh, families who um, have alternative eating components such as kosher or vegan or vegetarian, pescatarian, I mean, how are some of those dietary concerns that are um, maybe preference or even religious, how does that, you know, do you need specific documentation for those? Uh that is the way that the new rule reads. So yes, okay. you would have to have a dietitian um, say, you know, my child uh, keeps halal. That means they can't have pork or seafood or, you know, whatever the other few things are. Um, and so anytime that you would be serving one of those proteins, instead, please give the child whatever X um, substitute protein. So that is a great thing to think about and to look at. And again, it varies on the size of your program and the number of kids. Um, whenever possible, if you can start to look at your menu as one that um, is all inclusive, in other words, anybody, any of your kids can eat it. And again, that makes sure that means that you have to really know what the food allergies are. That means you have to probably do a little research on um, alternative brands. Um, and it's not unfortunately always the cheaper, but sometimes it's just easier to say have ketchup that never has corn syrup in it. Um, again, um, I think it's tastier in, anyway. <laughs> well, and if you're in Texas, it's HEB brand. So, I mean, it's not like you're talking, you know, the most expensive version, but 
sometimes those kinds of things are worth taking a peek at. In other words, looking at, um, again, things that you'll learn. Um, if it says modified food starch, that's probably cornstarch. Um, but it could so also most... be wheat. So if you've got kids yeah. who have wheat allergies or corn allergies or are gluten intolerant, nothing with the words modified food starch can go into your kitchen for those Which kids. Which means... Um, at least, again, one of the places that was a real easy culprit when we first started um, working around all the food allergies in families uh, was shredded cheese. <laughs> um, shredded cheese is much easier to use in your world than, you know, fresh cheese. But uh, however, some shredded cheese has um, modified food starch in it. Right. That's what keeps it from sticking. Yeah. So it's important to to know these things. And um, again, sometimes it takes a little bit of work uh, to be able to work around. But there were a, there was a time, several years actually, that my kids, all of the snack foods that we ate were friendly to any friend they had. And we had friends with dairy issues, gluten issues, corn issues. I feel like there's more to that list than that. But um, well, you know, yeah. You had and gluten free. You had vegan friends. Um, yeah, we were fortunate enough that we live in a city that had um, a lot of stores with a lot of options that you could find um, kid friendly foods. Unlike when Carrie's first daughter um, was presented with a potential um, gluten intolerance, and this was second daughter, you know, almost the second daughter. Okay, well, the first one diagnosed with yeah. a food allergy. Okay, first child diagnosed, <laughs> second child. Uh, <laughs> and you know that was 18 years ago and so you couldn't walk into the store and buy the gluten-free cake mix off the shelf um, because that didn't exist you had to go buy the 50 pound flour bag of rice flour and potato flour and figure out how to make it yourself and xanthan so, gum Woo-hoo! and xanthan gum <laughs> i'm like yeah there were all kinds of strange things that she bought so um, it's definitely a lot easier. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's cheaper. It doesn't necessarily mean that products are healthier because some of these items are missing because sometimes they substitute them with other things. Um, you will potentially have staff and children that even have sodium issues. Like, you know, they can't have certain amounts of sodium. Um, I think some of the hardest are when people start getting into the food dyes, especially if they're different numbers. I mean, and again, the... If they have something that is actually an allergy, then you have to have an allergy action plan from a prescribing uh, medical professional. So a doctor, a nurse practitioner, or a physician's assistant in Texas, uh, in other states, it can be other things. But um, so somebody who can write a prescription has to write out the action plan because the way I present when I get a hold of one of my evils <laughs> is very different from the way that Kate's husband presents when he has access to his evil. No. Oh, he also he was a vomiter. <laughs> well, he wasn't a vomiter. He was a throat closer. Okay. And um, um, my, my mother was a, my mother was an everything. My mother was a hive swelling vomit. Well, and, and Hallie's, out. Hallie's is <laughs> she um, acted like she had ADHD. Like she just became very, very speedy. Um, And she would also sometimes have hives and and her throat would and headache and nausea. Like she would get all of the things. But the one that was always her first indicator was her behavior change. Um, And so when she was in college, before she had outgrown her allergies, 
like she had friends who would call me and go, we don't understand why she's acting weird. And I'm like, well, what did she eat? And they're like, oh, well, she ate an entire package of X, Y, Z. And I'm like, yeah, that has one of her allergens in it. Um, just pop a Benadryl in her mouth and leave her alone for a couple hours. She'll be fine. <laughs> because it wasn't one that caused her to have anaphylaxis. It's just her body's response to any food allergy was to start behaving oddly. So you brought up something that I think is also definitely worth making sure that people know is finding out if there is any sort of medication and that does need to also be documented and needs to be on site. So you can't have just one generic EpiPen for everybody who might have an anaphylactic. It has to have, you know, their name on it. It has to come in the original packaging. Um, I will tell you from um, a, a medical perspective that um, make sure that you talk to your doctor about what words they actually write on the prescription um, because it doesn't have to be an EpiPen. EpiPen is actually trademarked and that's where you end up with a really expensive version of an EpiPen. So, um, you know, have that conversation with your doctor, especially if you aren't sure, especially if the client is bringing one in that will you know, probably have to get rotated out when it expires. Yeah, I think that's the other thing that people don't realize is that they have a six month life expectant, you know, every six months, you have to get a new one. And if that like, no, it's, 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 it's what they call their shelf life. Yeah, right? yeah, that's a whole different conversation. Anyway, I'm not having that. But as, <laughs> as a director, when it has an expiration yes. date, you have to get it out of your program. And I have had parents who argue with me, and say, well, but I already paid $300 for this one. I don't want to pay $300 for another one. And I'm like, I get that, but I can't use it at my center if it is expired. I just can't because that's a liability issue for the center. So yes, I am fully aware that medical professionals feel comfortable using them, but none of our directors or very few of our directors are medical personnel. So we have to go by what is on the package and we Absolutely. have to get them out of there um, when they have expired. Absolutely. And so that comes the same with, you know, anything from a Benadryl or again, whatever that parent may give you as a... Um, prescribed. And again, even if it's an over-the-counter medication, you still need to have a doctor's prescription, like how, how the doctor wants it used. So um, in its original container. So Labeled with sure the that... child's name and an appropriate dispensing. Because if it says one teaspoon, please do not draw out the teaspoon from your kitchen <laughs> and use that. You need to be using a syringe or, or a, a medication spoon. And of course, logging it and doing all of the stuff that you need to make sure that you're doing to stay in compliance. And so if you aren't sure what that is, make sure that you have not only checked with licensing, that you are up to date on whatever the most current regulations are um, within the state, but also double check with counties. Um, some other, um, sometimes, like Carrie said, the dietitian. So you have the USDA part. So you have your food programs. So if you are pulling items out of the menu um, that might have been um for, you know, all of the, the children, uh, again, make sure that you've double checked, um, against the food allergies. I mean, and you I have yet to, I've yet to work at a program where there wasn't quite a few. I mean, almost every classroom there's one. Yeah. And use the parents as a resource. Like this does not have to be the director and the kitchen manager playing seek and find. 
The parents already know what mac and cheese their child can eat. They already know which brands of crackers their child can eat. Ask them. You don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Absolutely. And don't be afraid. If somebody has a very unique food allergy or lots of them, (laughs) um, don't be afraid to have conversations and and be real honest with the, the parents that, you know, either the child may have to have something completely different or that the parents may have to help. And I say that because I'm going to use graham crackers as an example. Graham crackers is one of those things that in some child care centers becomes almost a staple. (laughs) And however, if you've ever tried to buy gluten-free graham crackers, those are disgusting, um, (laughs) but they're also expensive. And so when you start looking at the quantity of gluten-free graham crackers you have to have, that may just be not make a lot of sense. So um, by having conversation with the parents, I actually had one parent that was great about this. And when we basically said, here's what the snack menu is for the month, they brought their, they had their kid have their own version of that exact basic item. So in other words, we had goldfish, they had their little gluten-free goldfish, right? Um, If it was fruit that was fruit that they could eat, then they had our fruit. If not, they had a fruit of similar shape and color. Um, Again, the parent, we worked together to try to make sure that it wasn't, that kid did not feel like they were standing out. Um, Sometimes that can also work where the kid's food can come in in the morning and the kitchen staff can also, you know, plate it for them or serve it to them in a way that it also looks like everybody else's. Yeah. So, and, and if it's a really severe food issue, like for instance, PKU, it is okay to say there is no way that we can provide the food for your child. We cannot provide an entirely protein free menu for your child. The parents are going to be, Oh, I didn't expect you to be able to do a PKU menu. Here's her snacks, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing happens all the time. Absolutely. So again, like Carrie said, don't be afraid to use your parents. Uh, don't be afraid to to take some more classes. Talk to your own doctor. Get their pediatrician. Have a conversation with the pediatrician. Now understand that the pediatrician will not necessarily be able to answer you questions about a specific um child uh, child in their care without appropriate medical releases. But if you're calling and just asking general questions about how do you handle a child with an allergy to red number five? And you've noticed that now that red number five appears to be in everything, even the things that the parents send. Like, you know, what do you do? Um, you know, if if you can use your own medical professionals or that kid's medical professional. Um, beverages also um, have some of those crazy dyes, even things that you may not think of. I've seen dye colors in fruit juices. Um, and, and even things like, you know, apple juice and grape juice that seem to appear to be clear. Yeah. I don't understand it, but yeah. So this, this episode has gone on a little longer than we normally do, but it's because this is a multifaceted issue because you've got food intolerance, you've got food allergies, and then you have preferences about food. And we as directors have to be able to think through how much we can do in each of those areas and what do we need to do to keep kids healthy and safe. Okay, so before we end on that, because that was a great thing, but it made me think of something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Parent handbooks and staff handbooks. Please, please, please make sure that you address these in those situations. And you might add um, some lines, especially in the parent handbook, related to um, phrases like modifications within financial reason or modifications within reason. Because... um, like we said, some alternatives, depending on the allergy or the severity, the requirements, again, if it needs to be cooked in a, in a gluten-free kitchen, um, that just may have to be a child who always brings their own food. Yep. Um, so, so definitely um, understand um, kind of how that um, the American Disabilities Act falls um, because there will be at least one parent in your life who will try to use that, um, which is... Um, completely okay but you need to know where you're um, based on the size of your program where you fall on that absolutely okay so enjoy food allergy awareness month uh through the rest of may um and we'll see you here next tuesday thank you for listening to colorful clipboards connect with us on social media at colorful clipboard or send us an email to hello at colorful clipboards send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing, programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young, with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.